This is the series I'm going to be teaching for the next three weeks, at least, for the next three weeks, and the series is called Walking with a King. Walking with a King. Say it with me. Walking Walking. with a King. So as we begin to take this journey today, I want to take it in such a way to help you and me really sort out uh, what it is that that the Christ, the Christ, the Son of the living God, wanted to do in your life and in my life and why he started the journey that he began, why it was important for him to make the journey. You remember, and let me say it this way, you remember when the Father wanted to send him into the earth, ultimately, he, Scripture tells us that he did it out of obedience. He was obedient unto death. He said, Father, what do you want? I'll do that. I'll be obedient even unto death. I know it's going to cost me my life, but I'm going to be obedient to you because I'm going to hear and obey what you say. That's, that's incredible, incredible commitment. That is commitment on a level that most human beings <clears throat> do not know and understand. So as we begin to take this journey today, I want you to do your very best to make sure and don't miss any of it because I believe in every way it will help you and me and us to be better churches that we are called to be. Walking with a king, and today I'm going to talk about the idea, follow me, follow me. These are two words that he used. He used in ways that will impact all of us, and it's follow me. I love this little, and I hope I get this right because I had it written down in my notes perfectly on a Microsoft computer, which was my mistake. But uh, I had it written down perfectly, this little dialogue that happened between my daughter Kaylee and little Levi um, this past week, and, and they were coming up here to the church for something, and when they were coming up here to the church, um, or to the building, uh, my daughter said to Levi, said, Levi, let's go, we've got, it's time, to, we gotta go, we've got to go to the church, and that's what Kaylee said to him, it's time to go to the church, and he said, no, we aren't going to the church. And she said, what do you mean we're not going to the church? He said, we can't go to the church. We are the church. And she said, then where are we going? What would you call where we're going? And he said, it's the house of kings. Out of the mouth of babes. Levi is how old? Five, four, four years old but out of the mouth of babes. Are you ready to take this journey in the house of kings? So let's begin in Matthew chapter 9. Let's begin with verse 9. And it reads like this. I think that's right. Whatever you have back there, that will be right. As Jesus passed on from... You know what? I wanted to read this out of the NIV. And so let me read this out of the NIV. Does anybody have the NIV? Because I have... Yeah, but I I, want to be able to... Anybody in here have the NIV? Nobody has the NIV? It's like Microsoft, I know. I really have a thing with Microsoft right now. But the NIV reads like this. Scroll as we go. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth, and he said, follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was, back up, back up to that last verse again. Let's read it again. So as Jesus went on from where he was, He saw a man named Matthew who was sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he said. And Matthew got up and did what? Followed him. Next verse. 
While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Next verse. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Let me read that again. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call the righteous, not sinners. Go back to verse 9, please. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he said. And Matthew got up and followed him. What's interesting about this story? What's interesting, it's a rhetorical question, you don't have to answer, but I want you to consider it for a moment in your own mind and heart. What is interesting about this story? As Jesus left where he was, he saw a man sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he said. Follow me, he said. Follow me, tax man. Follow me. Jesus was leaving where he was. And while leaving, he passed a booth where a tax collector sat, looks at him, follow me. He said, follow me. No, you don't have to. That's a good, yes. In fact, I would like that. Follow me, he says. Follow me, he says. Follow me. He says, follow me, he says. (laughs) Notice what was not said. What was not said? What did he say to them? What did they do? Let's get that brain working. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Let's get this brain. Follow me. 
And they did what? Follow me. And they did what? Why? Why would they follow this man? Certainly they heard of. You couldn't help it, but didn't know him. Why would, why would you follow me? What didn't he say? He didn't say, are you saved? Do you do things right? Do you obey all the rules? Did you sacrifice your doves this week? Are you making sure and only eating unleavened bread? When's the last time you went to the temple? Do you know, not a single disciple, hear what I'm about to tell you, not one of those men that Jesus called that we read about in the Bible, not one of them, not one of them, not even one of them, when Jesus called them, was saved. <laughs> not even one of them was born again because they could not be yet. Because Christ had not yet died on the cross and taken upon himself the sins of the world. And he went to them and he went to every one of them and he went to of all all of them, the most interesting one to me. All of them certainly were Jewish. All of them were certainly familiar with the customs and the traditions and the religion, the Jewish religion. They were certainly familiar with that and raised up in that and taught what was right and wrong. But one of them in particular that we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt did not practice it was Matthew. In fact, Matthew was despised by the Jews because he worked for the Romans and collected taxes from the Jews. They despised Matthew. You sit there, Matthew, and you take our taxes and you're supposed to be one of us. And yet, he never was. He didn't know what he was of. He just was not of the Jews. And it was what they were not that made Christ look at them and say, follow me. When he went to Nathanael and he said, I see a man in whom there is no deceit. Why would you call, we'll read it in a minute. Why would you call me Christ? Because I see a man in whom there is no deceit. What would you have me to do? Follow me. Actually, he said to Nathaniel, he, Nathaniel said, what would you have me to do? And Jesus' response to him was, come and see. Come and see. 
Christ was more interested in calling a people to follow him. He would ask them, follow me not because they were saved, but because they were willing. Not because they were perfect, but because they wanted more. Salvation wasn't the priority to Christ when he called people. What was important to Christ was if they will follow me, salvation will come. The church that we know of today says get saved and then we'll talk. You get it right with Jesus and then we'll have a conversation. Get it right with Jesus and then we'll let you do this. Get it right with Jesus and then we'll let you do that. And the reality of it is those who are getting it right with Jesus, half of them are getting it right just enough to do have the conversation. Then when they have the conversation, they get it wrong. Thank you. You can be seated. So he says, follow me. And then what about the disciples that weren't Jewish? What about the Canaanite woman? What about the Roman soldier, the centurion? those who looked at him they didn't even have any right they could not even move go into the temple and yet he said what you're seeking it is finished it's done why do you ask me woman i can't give you what you want she said sir even the dogs eat the crumbs because of your faith walk with me You get that salvation is not because you do all the rules. Salvation is because you have the right relationship. Being born again isn't because I read all the Bible scriptures. It's not because I prayed all the prayers. It's not because I read my little note cards. Being born again is because I have the right relationship with the right one. And Jesus said, follow me. Turn to the next. What's the next scripture up there? I want you to go there with me. Where's this one at? John 1? Is it John 1? John 1. Turn to John 1, please. Follow me. He says, watch what I can do in your life. Matthew, the crazy thing about it, while we're turning to John 1, here's this Matthew dude, Tamara, gets up. He's got a lucrative job. He's got a lucrative job. Christ didn't even say, follow me and I'll pay you 50000 a year. There was something about the anointing in Christ that made Matthew say, man, I'm going to give this up. To follow this guy, I don't know. You know what it is? It's because John was a dreamer. John was a believer before he was a believer. He believed that there was something greater than what he had been walking in. He just didn't know what it was yet. But there's something bigger out there, and when the moment arrives, I'm going to make sure and grab hold of it, and the moment arrived in the form of Christ. And he said, follow me. And Matthew couldn't get up from that table fast enough and said, where are we going? He said, come and see. 
Here we go. John 1. John 1. Turn there, please. I don't know where I'm reading at. What verse is it? 35. How do you know that? Oh, it's not on my screen. And that's so much prettier back there. John 1.35 reads like this. says, The next day again John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. <laughs> Listen, I, I would like to walk down 13th Street in Sanford and say, Behold, the Lamb of God. And suddenly people say, what must I do to get saved? Boy, wouldn't that be easy? <laughs> the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned, and he saw them following, and he said to them, what are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come on, I'll show you. He didn't say, oh, I'm staying over at the Hampton Inn over here on 46A. He didn't say, oh, I'm, I live out in Deltona or I live over in Eustace or I live where. He didn't say, he said, you just come. Because it was always an invitation not to a place but to a relationship. It's never been about the place. It's always, 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 always been about the relationship. He said, come and see. You want to see? I'll show you. And they said to him, and he said to them, come and you will see. So they came, I don't know what verse this is, verse 39. So they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him. And that day, for it was about the 10th hour, and one of the two heard John speak and followed Jesus. Uh, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him, and he said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And he found Philip, and he said to him, Philip. Next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Jordan. He said, Jordan, follow me. Mm -hmm. Next day, he found Michaela. Michaela, follow me. Found Jacob. Jacob, follow me. Mm -hmm. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel, and Philip said to him, Nathaniel. We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, we have found Jesus of Nazareth, he is the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, no, 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 not so, nothing good can come out of Nazareth. And Philip said to him, what? Come and see. Follow me. You see a pattern developing here. Follow me. Uh -huh. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, Nathanael said, How do you know me? And Jesus said, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, 
I saw you. I don't miss anything. I'm not looking to see where you are. I'm looking to see who you are. So I'm not interested in your location. I'm interested in your being. How do you know me, Jesus said, before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree. I saw you, and Nathanael answered him. He said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Why? Why are you so impressed? Is it because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree? Is that why you believe? And he said, If you think that's good, follow me and see what comes next. Because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree. That's why you believe. You'll see greater things than these, Nathaniel. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God will be ascending and descending yeah. on the Son of Man. You think that's good? Stick around for the grand finale. Very simple message in all of this this morning. Why is it? Why is it that Christ could have cared less what the condition of their lives were at the time he called them? Because he wasn't interested in the condition of their life. He was interested in the potential of their life. He wasn't interested in where they stood that day. He was interested in where they were going to stand tomorrow. He wasn't interested in what they thought about him or anybody else at that moment. He wanted to know, what do you, what can they believe coming, moving forward? You got to hear what I'm telling you this morning. You got to hear what I'm telling you this morning, Jim. You've got to listen to what I'm saying today because I'm going to tell you there's some people in this room probably right now, maybe watching on this screen right now. There's people right now, before we would say to anybody, follow me, we want to make sure, get cleaned up and then you can go with me. Go get you a good shower, and then you can go with me. Go brush your teeth, then you can follow me. Go get rid of all your issues, and then you can follow me. And Christ said, I'm going to take you with your issues. I'm going to take you with your bad breath. I'm going to take you with your stinky armpit odor. I'm going to take you with whatever you got. I'm going to take you, and while you're following me, things will happen. Christ was less interested in people coming to him perfected than he was in perfecting people while they came. You got to hear me this morning. You've got to hear what I'm telling you right now. You have got to hear what I'm telling you today. You've got to hear it today. That isn't a ticket to go out there and say, you know what, I'm just going to walk up and down the road and say, hey, there's one, follow me. It's word and spirit. Because what Christ was able to do was he was able to discern. But what he didn't do was go into the churches and say, okay, all you church people, follow me. All you church trained, taught folks, follow me. I was telling the team this morning when we were back there, when we prayed before we came out for service this morning, I told them I would rather a Catholic or a Methodist or a Baptist unsaved person come to this church rather than a Pentecostal person visit us from another church. If you're Pentecostal and you visited here from another church, I'm glad you're here. But Pentecostals come expecting there to be people rolling around, bobby pins flying and things happening that they're used to. 
that they identify as church, Pentecostals can't sit still. Pentecostals won't sit on their hiney long enough to learn anything. They know everything. Good old assembly of God boy, church of God boy. They know it all already. You can't tell them anything because they're spirit-filled and the Holy Spirit's told them everything. You can't, be, can't teach them anything. Listen, I came out of that background. I'm, I'm talking about me too. But I'm glad for the day Christ said, sit down, shut up. When I say follow me, then start walking. But you get people that are coming out of something that don't know. Somebody's ringing your doorbell. They don't know any better. He's, if, if when you answer, he says, follow me. I want to be like Christ. And I want to be like him in a way that isn't like Christ. I want to be so much like Christ, I become Steve. You need to hear, you, you got think about that just for a second, okay? That I become me, that I become the me that he called me to be. When he said, follow me, he didn't say imitate me. He said, follow me until I, my nature is in you, but you are you. If Christ could have done it without you, he wouldn't have called you. He just said, forget them all, God. Forget them all, Daddy. I don't need any of them. I'm just going to do it all by myself. I can do it by myself. He said, no, but I need all of them. But they're going to need my nature. They're going to need, you know what that part of that nature is that we're talking about today? The follow me part of the nature is the part where you go up to somebody and you don't, you stop, you, you stop asking the wrong questions. Isn't that right? It's true, isn't it, Eric? Stop asking the wrong questions. Listen, I'm, I'm from the school. For a long time, even in this house, man, I wanted to know, man, when you, you come in here and you're going to be doing things, I want to make sure you're getting some things clean. You're clean. We're going to put you in the little room with the hot shower and the chemicals fall down from the, the water head and everybody else wearing a little suit, you know, that little white suit with a plastic lens over the face. And, and then when you come out of there, you're disinfected. We want to disinfect, man. We're a disinfecting culture. And Christ says, no, 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 I'm going I'm to take my little white coat off and my little glass, and I'm just going to get in that room with them. The disinfection isn't coming because of the chemicals that are falling on them. The disinfection's coming because we're on a journey and we're walking together. This is what it looks like to walk with a king. When he says, follow me. So what do we do in a house like this one with a message like this? Where we say to people, follow me. We're not asking you, what church do you come from? We're not asking you, do you believe in Jesus? We're not asking you, are you pro-homosexual? Are you anti-homosexual? Are you pro-interracial? Are you anti-interracial? Are you, what's some of the things that are big deals today? Just give me some, give me some samples. Give me some that's, abortion, are you pro-abortion? Are you anti-abortion? What's something else? Well, a la carte, well, who said that? Oh, politics, are you pro, are you Republican? Are you Democrat? It's all our cards, like I said. Are you Republican? Are you Democrat? Are you independent? For so long, 
when we thought the building was the church, we thought it was our responsibility to get everybody prepared. It's no wonder that people come in. Still to this day, I hear people every now and then say, I can't walk into that building. The roof will fall down because God doesn't want me in that building. Now, you're the one he wants in the building. He wants you there. If we're anything, we're a hospital. What we've got to do is we've got to change our mentality and we've got to stop asking people who have already been perfected to follow me. Listen, it's time. Hear this. You ready for this? It's time that we're willing to do a little hard labor. And we're willing to let people walk with us, frustrate us, really make us angry. You ain't changing, man. They're not changing. And, and the father's saying, yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah. Now you know. Now you know. Now you know how I felt yesterday when you did what you did. Don't think I didn't catch that. Don't think I didn't see that. I saw every bit of it. Oh, sorry, Jenny. You about slapped Jenny in the face. That's how, that's how change comes. Pow! Man. Change! Pow! Get saved! Pow! Follow me! <laughs> Stop. He says, I want you to be you. But this is going to take this change. This is part of that fluid worship. Probably could have extended that whole thing into this right here. Because part of that fluid worship is changing our perception of what it looks like. When we go out there and we look at somebody and we stop saying to them, well, when it gets... Now, listen, I'm going to tell you the truth now. You're going to be dating my daughter or my son. I expect you to be perfect when you get there. <laughs> I just thought I would put that out there. The truth is, you want to date my daughter and my son and you got issues, you better walk with me before you think you can walk with them. You walk with me long enough, you pass the test, then I'll think about letting you buy her a steak. But you're going to buy me one first. I'm going to see how you do it. You're going to buy me more than one. Man, that's getting a response, man. That's <laughs> say that again. Buy me more than one. <laughs> I don't want to lose the point, though. Walking with a king. Follow me, spirit. The follow me, spirit is, I've got to get my mind off of the things that I always thought were the important things. And the important things aren't what you're doing right or what you're doing wrong. The important thing is, are you willing to walk? And when you really get down to the nuts and bolts of it and you just say to somebody, are you willing to go with me? Don't you love it how each disciple went to another disciple and said, I met a man, come with me. And then that one went to somebody else. Oh, I met him, come with me. And then they went to another one and said, oh, keep up camera, keep up. Come with me, come with me. From one to the other, where are you going? I met somebody. Oh, no, it can't be. Oh, yeah, it is. And then they met him. What do I do? And he said, oh, man, you have only just begun. Just walk. And here's the crazy thing about walking. Crazy thing about walking, Sarita. Cool thing about walking with a king. The awesome thing about walking with a king. The amazing thing. Amazing. 
amazing. Everybody say amazing. Amazing thing about walking with the king is when you're walking with the king, it isn't about asking questions over and over and over again. It's about watching, it's about learning, it's about observing, it's about being in the presence of that one. It's about beginning to take on that nature of the one that you're walking with. Do you hear me today? Now if you go back to Matthew chapter 9, and you go back into that second verse, I think it is. Or not the second verse, but the second one I had up there, Matthew 9 something. While Jesus, listen to this. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, everybody say at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came. <laughs> you got to get this. While Jesus was having dinner at whose house? Who was a what? Oh, wait, wait. Hold on. While Jesus was having dinner at Many and uh, came and ate with him and his disciples. And the next verse says, when the Pharisees, when the religious folks, when the Pentecostals, I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just trying to be offensive. When the Baptists, when the Methodists, when the Lutherans, when the Independents, when the whatevers saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And then the next verse. On hearing this, Jesus said, because I'm not looking for folks who don't need a doctor. I'm looking for folks who do. And he also, probably somewhere in there, I'm inserting this, don't hold it against me, don't send me to hell because of it. But I imagine somewhere in there he must have said, there's a reason tax collectors and sinners are sitting here at this table in Matthew's house who was a tax collector and sinner. They're his friends. And when I said to Matthew, follow me, Matthew said, yes, but let me go get some folks first. And Matthew went to this buddy tax collector and said, follow me. And he went to this buddy tax collector and said, follow me. And he went over here to this buddy sinner and said, follow me. I met a man. We're having dinner at my house tonight. Follow me. And they all met at his house and Christ was there. Christ didn't say to them, before you come in the door, you better get saved. Because the song I'm about to sing will say it all. This is holy ground. We're standing on holy ground where the Lord is present. Something like that is holy he didn't do that. He said, open that door. Who's coming? Oh, man. Sinners. Yeah. <laughs> Tax collectors. Really? What else is coming? Christ is excited. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious folks are all outside the door. I can't believe it. can't believe it. Who does he think he is? And Christ said, 
I'm the Christ. See, you can't clean up a dish that doesn't want to be cleaned, but I can change a man that wants to walk. If he's willing to walk with me, I'm less interested in what his political views are. I'm less interested in what his whatever views are. I'm more interested, is he he willing to take a journey with me, take a walk? And here's the cool thing. In the middle of all of that, he also said to another young man, Thaddeus, who's that? Judas. In the middle of all of that, there was a moment he came up to Judas and he said, Follow me. Do you think for a second Christ did not know what was in that man's heart? Well, here's the crazy thing about Christ is he didn't say, he didn't consider because he was Christ and he had mercy and grace. And I want to get to that other scripture that I've got up here. But he he didn't consider, is he going to make it? He just considered, is it possible he might? Did you get me? I'm not going to call you, man. I know where you're going. I know how this is going to end up. I know because I'm the son of the living God. I know exactly how this is going to end up, Judas, and this is going to get really ugly. You're going to betray me. It's all going to be bad, so I'm not even going to call you. But he didn't do that. He said, hey, Judas, follow me. Me? Yeah, follow me. You're good with money. You're so good with it, you're going to share it with people you're not supposed to. You Come follow me. Because I believe in the hope and the possibility that somewhere between now and three years from now, somehow, the words that I speak, the moments we're sitting around the fire, when we're drinking the water from the same hole in the ground, Somehow I believe that we're out there on that boat and we're catching a fish and we're divvying that thing up and we're filleting it and we're cleaning it and we're splattering fish gut all over each other, laughing and playing. When we're running up and down the beach on a rainy day and the lightning's thundering, when the crowds are gathered and they're trying to push us away and all of that, somehow I believe, Judas. Somehow I believe. Somehow I have hope, Judas. Somehow in the middle of all of that, I believe that you're going to see that I'm a man that loves you and that in everything in me, I want to make a way for you. On the last day, though, Judas, it's up to you. What I can do, Judas, is I can give you the keys to the car. Whether or not you drive, it's totally up to you. I can give you all the tools that you need to make it, Judas, but that's up to you. Every single disciple except for John betrayed Christ when he was going through trial. Every single disciple except John, see, this is what we have a hard time with because we believe Judas is the only one that betrayed Christ. He's not. Every disciple except John betrayed Christ. Every single disciple except John betrayed Christ. They denied him. The only reason Peter's denial was put in so much focus in Scripture is because Christ told him what he was going to do. And it was important so that we could see that the prophetic gifting and anointing in Christ came into fruition. The only disciple that did not walk away from Christ was John. The only disciple. Do you think Christ didn't know that? 
Do you think when he walked down there, when he went out and saw the boat, Peter, James, and John fishing on that boat, do you think for a second he thought, two of you are going to walk away from me in my most difficult time? Nevertheless, follow me. You'll be catching more than fish in a few days. Do you think for a second he didn't know that? He knew that. You know what separates the nature of Christ from the nature of most people who, attend, who are attending churches today? Because most people attending churches this morning, they're willing to invite people to church and bring them or to, to a building. They're willing to invite them and, and to bring them to their table as long as they're cleaned up first. But Christ said, I want you dirty. I want you stinky. I want things out of place, and then I want to do a work in you that can only be identified with the work of the anointing of Christ. I don't want you cleaned up because you studied a good doctrine. I don't want you cleaned up because you went to a good Sunday school. I don't want you cleaned up because you think you're part of the best denomination. I don't want you cleaned up because you're so, there are people more, they're, 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 they'd rather be Baptist than saved. They'd rather be assemblies of God than saved because it's more important to them to identify with a religion or a denomination than it is to be identified with Christ. Somehow they put those two things together and they have nothing in common. Jesus was more interested in saying to that one, to that two, to those two, those three, that group, whomever they were, the children, the adults, didn't matter to him how old they were, if you'll just walk with me. When he's walking down the road and a woman comes up to him and goes to touch the hem of his garden and he said, who touched me? Do you think she didn't matter to him? Do you think for a second, Shelby, she didn't matter to him? When that woman touched him, nobody else knew who she was. Sir, there's a lot of people wrapped around you right now. Do you realize there are thousands of people up and down this road today? And you're thinking one woman touched you, and he said, no, I'm telling you, somebody touched me. Somebody touched me with a whole lot of faith. And the person that touched me with a whole lot of faith has a whole lot wrong in their life. But you know what? When they touch me with that kind of faith, I can fix the wrong. When they come to me with that kind of faith, I can fix what's wrong. I'm not worried about what's wrong. I love passion. I love passion. I love the willingness to say, teach me, and I'll learn. Do you hear me today? So here he is back to Matthew. He's in his house because all those tax collectors and sinners were Matthew's friends. They were all his friends. Every single one of them Matthew knew. Every single one of them he was acquainted with. Every single one of them he'd had breakfast with and dinner with. Every one of them he had laughed about the Jewish folks that he had robbed from because of their taxes. Every one of them he sat around a table mocking the very people that he was a part of because he was able to get $10 out of them and when they only expected to give five. He mocked them. And yet Christ is now sitting at his table and inviting him to come and walk with him. Where does that leave us? Where does that leave you and me? In this place. Let's get our minds corrected. I want the mind of Christ. I don't want the mind of the church. I don't want the mind of doctrine. I don't want the mind of denomination. I want the mind of God. I want the mind of Christ. I want to be able to say to the one, you don't look like there's anything even interesting about the kingdom to you. You look like an absolute reprobate. And I want to be able to say to that one, follow me. Walk with me. Come with me. And I will show you a place where church where people meet, where churches gather, 
And it is nothing like you have ever seen before. Nobody on this side of the building is looking down their nose at somebody on the other side of the building. Nobody in the back of the room is saying about the one in the front who has their hands up, oh, I know what they were doing yesterday. They're celebrating that today, today, today they have their hands up. Today, they're not groaning about yesterday. They're celebrating the right now moment that we live in. That's fluid worship. That's the kingdom of God. That's walking with a king. That's walking with a king. That is walking with a king who says, I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them in the condition that they're in. I'm going to love them until the condition that they're in becomes the condition that I'm in. Some of them are going to walk a little quicker. Some of them might even run. But whatever their speed is irrelevant. What's important is that we look around this room this morning. I look around this room. People I know, some, a few I don't. But I look around this room this morning. I look in your face. It doesn't matter if I know you or I don't know you. It doesn't matter. I don't care right now where you were yesterday, where you were last night, what your thoughts were five minutes ago. I don't even care. What I care about is do you love the Christ? And if you love the Christ, I love you too. We're going to walk together. We're going to walk this thing out. And you're going to be changed. And I'm going to be changed. And we're going to be changed together. History may define some, but we cannot let our past define our present. We cannot look back on the days that we have no control over now and say somehow it's going to have any effect on who, I'm, who I am today. Only thing I want to do with my past is look past it. I don't even want to review it. I just want to think about this. Father, you came to my table you came to me sitting on the front hood. It's the only hood I had on that old car. <laughs> sitting on a hood, you walked up to me and you said, follow me. I had no idea what that meant. And I had no idea where that was going to lead, and neither did Matthew. I had no idea that I would be standing here today. But you came to me in my heart. You didn't come to me in person. You didn't come to me in the form of a body. You came to me in the form of a feeling and a word. A notion, a knowing, something in me saying there's more than what I've got. And you came and you said, follow me. And I said, okay. And you took the things that were in me that were nothing like you. Some of it was changed in an instant. And some of it, you're still changing today. But I'm your church. And I'm walking with a king. And I choose today to keep walking. And I choose today to keep being changed. And I choose today to reflect the same love you showed towards me to those who I'm going to meet and know. Be glorified in our living today. Amen. Amen and amen. Stand with me if you would, please.